Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. When it comes to the devil, when it comes to demons, when it comes to heaven, hell and angelic issues, there are usually two extremes with most things. And when it comes to the unseen realm, there is definitely two extremes. I grew up in an extreme that was, there were devils in everything. In the church 20, 30 years ago, there were devils in everything. Who remembers back to those days? There were devils in the TV. There was devils in our cereal box. There were devils here, devils there, devils everywhere. And it was the, if you had a problem, you didn't get counselled, you didn't get spoken to, you got delivered. In Jesus' Name. And we had many a church service where people would be slithering around on the floor like a snake, thinking we had done the great things and church was chaotic and, and there were devils and everything. And then there was this issue around, you know, can a Christian be demonised? Can a Christian have a devil? And, and, and I came to the conclusion, I don't know about that, but my greater question was this, can a devil have a Christian? Because there are some devils Christians just not leave alone. It was just devils everywhere. Devil here, devil there, devil everywhere. That is extreme number one. And we certainly tasted some of the excesses of that. That resulted in Christians not being responsible for their own actions. That resulted in Christians blaming the devil for all of their problems. I can't get a job. Not because they weren't skilled up, not because they were incapable of doing a job, it was the devil's fault. And so that was the problem with that extreme. But on the other side of the coin, there's another extreme that says there is no devil at all and that he doesn't exist. And the trouble is when you have that notion, all of the world's problems come down to other things. And we make all of our problems chemical problems. We blame the preservatives in our food. We blame the allergies. And instead of saying the devil made me do it, we say the food made me do it. It could be biological, whereby I was born that way. I have an extra chromosome that makes me the way I am. Sometimes we make the problem generational. We have generational issues, generational curses. It was the way I was brought up. It was the way I was led to believe certain things. And while there is merit in all of those issues, to discount the enemy, to discount that there is an evil enemy out there trying to kill, steal and destroy from us is to not take the fight where it's at. And the result is the devil is left to do what he wants to do. I shared this saying last week, but the greatest trick of the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he does not exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that the devil does not exist. In Luke chapter 4, verse 33, it says, once, 
when he, speaking of Jesus, was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, began shouting at Jesus. Jesus was in the synagogue. He'd stood up to teach. And as he began to teach the Word of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the demonic influence within this man's life manifest. And he said this to Jesus, Go away. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. That's what the devil wants from us. He wants us to leave him alone. He wants us to blame the chemicals. He wants us to blame biology. He wants us to blame the generations. He wants us to blame all those things and just leave him alone. Here's the problem with that. If we do leave him alone, know this to be true. He's not going to leave us alone. And so we have these two extremes. Devils in everything. All the world's problems because of the devil which is an extreme view. The other view is there is no demonic realm. There is no devil. Our problems are chemical, biological, generational. And they are two extremes that are not going to help us moving forward into our future. And so I want to look this morning into the Scriptures And see what the Word of God says about the devil, demons, angels, heaven, hell, this unseen realm. Because I believe the, the Bible is very clear about these things. And I believe we can do it in a way that is not weird, that does not give glory to the enemy. We are not here to give glory to anyone but the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We are not to become demon chasers. We are not revert to revert back to the good old days. You know what about the good thing about the good old, uh, the thing about the good old days is that it weren't all that good. Not everything about the good old days was that good. And so we don't want to go back in time and go after everything that has a demon. We want to see what the Word of God says and act maturely and responsibly according to the Word of God. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For our struggle, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, a letter that he expected to be passed around to other churches to educate the church of Jesus Christ. He says, our struggle. In other words, if you are a Christian, you will have struggles. If you came to Christ and we're told that all your problems will be gone, you were lied to. We will have struggles. We will have tough times. We will have hardships. We will have dark and bleak days. In actual fact, Good Friday, as we know it, was anything but good. It was not a good day for Jesus. It ended in a horrific death. There are tough days for us as Christians. And Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And so when it comes to our struggles, it may be people who are saying things, people who are doing things, but we've got to look a little bit deeper and not just blame people, blame the circumstance, blame the situations, blame our mum, blame our dad, blame our teacher. You may have been dropped on your head as a baby, but it's not the source of all your problems. Get over it. Your mum or dad may have left you as a younger person. 
And I don't mean to be disrespectful to that fact. I know there's hurt and there's issues surrounding that. I know there are very real trust issues. And just on an aside, we uh, got our dog up on Friday morning. He was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. He got in the car thinking it was going to be like any other day. We dropped him off at the vet. He had a little operation. He didn't know that operation was coming. He didn't know it was going to be one of those days. It was a dark day. There were struggles and hardships he was about to go through. When he came back, there were certain things in his life missing. He came back at the end of the day, having been picked up from the vet, having had his manhood taken away, a microchip inserted, a tattoo on his skin to say that he'd been microchipped, and he'd had four teeth removed. Kath went to the vet to pick him up. Door opened. He walked in very slowly. I got down onto my knees and said, Hey, Tobias, how are you doing? Come here, mate. And he gave me a look. The look was this, I trusted you. (laughs) Our dog now has trust issues. We often have trust issues. You know what I love about our dog? For all his trust issues, it's like a thing in the past now. He's just getting on with life. And so there may be some very real things that happen to you. It may have caused some of your trust issues. But I believe through the power of Jesus Christ, we can learn to overcome anything that we have been through. Our God is a God who is greater. All things are working together for the good, for those that are called according to His purpose. I believe that with all of my heart. And so when it comes to the devil and the demonic unseen realm, we need to know a few things. Army strategy, number one is this, you've got to know your enemy. I'm here to tell you it is better the devil you know than the devil you don't. It's better that you know the opponent that we are up against. It's better that we arm ourselves with some information and some knowledge because without that information or knowledge, we won't know where to take the fight to where the fight is. We won't know where our struggles are coming from. And so we need to study our opponent, not obsess over him. We need to study our opponent, not worship him. We need to study our opponent, not glorify him. We need to study our opponent, not honour him. Whenever I write the word devil, I never put a capital D. Not even if it's at the start of a sentence. Sorry for all the English teachers out there. For me, it's little d devil, capital G God. Because when you know what the enemy has done, you have a good knowledge of what he's about to do. And can I just say this? We are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from a place of victory that has already been won. So I'm not saying anything this morning to scare you, but just to prepare you. Does that make sense this morning? 
So what do we know about this enemy of ours? What do we know about this being that we know as the devil or Satan, small s? Well, we know that he used to be, go by the name of Lucifer and that he was an archangel along with Gabriel, along with Michael. He was an archangel. He had a special place in heaven. Historians and theologians tell us that this particular archangel had the incredible job of, of leading the worship in heaven. Revelation says that the angels sing, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and forever shall be the Lamb upon the throne. And there was a time where this being that we know, now know as the devil used to head up that worship, used to circle the throne of God and say, holy, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Come on, angels, you can do better than that. Holy, holy, holy is, I keep your head up. Holy, holy, come on. That was his role, that was his job. As they circled the throne of God and worshipped him day and night, Lucifer was there. This is who we're talking about. But after a while, and we don't know how long that was. But after years, decades, centuries, millennium, we don't know. But what we do know, according to the Scriptures, is that eventually this archangel known as Lucifer, the bright morning star, the shiny one, the leader of the worship in heaven, grew tired of worshipping God, grew tired of circling the throne of God. And he started to entertain devilish, rebellious thoughts other than worshipping the God who sits on the throne. And he started thinking about what it'd be like to sit on the throne himself. After all, I've done a good job rallying the troops morning after morning, worshipping this God. See, the devil had thrown issues. He got tired of worshipping God and Isaiah 14 says it this way, verse 13 and 14, that he said in his heart, I, everyone say I. I. This is problem number one. I will ascend into the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly in other words, I will be pastor. I will be leader of the congregation, not God. I will ascend above the tops of the cloud and I will make myself like the Most High God. He had five evil, rebellious, 
devilish thoughts that are recorded in the Scriptures. Five times, Lucifer said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Contrast Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, not my will, but your will be done. I will sit on the throne and I will be encircled by the congregation and I'll be worshipped and I will be like God. He was so charismatic, so influential that one third of the angels said, that's a good idea. He turned one third of the angels. The very same angels that had seen God create and do incredible things. But such was the charisma of this created angelic being known as Lucifer. He turned one third of the angels against God. But this is what we as saints need to understand and draw courage and strength on this morning. No matter what the rebellion against God, you can never win. There was an uprising in heaven. There was a civil war in heaven. There was a rebellion in heaven. And God just cast Lucifer and all of his followers out of heaven. And created a place called hell for them to reside. See, hell was never created for people. Hell was created for Lucifer and his followers. God loves people. He never created hell for you or for me. It's a place designed and designated for fallen angels. Followers of Lucifer. Followers Followers of Satan. When Satan was thrown out of heaven, there's been a battle ever since. And the battle is for the throne. The battle is for the throne. I need uh, the help of Matt. He's going to come up one more time and just bring a little friend up on stage. And I want you to place him right about here. This is a little carpet python by the name of Jones. Jonesy. Today we're going to call him Satan. If you have an aversion to snakes, I apologize, but I think this makes a great point. I mentioned already that Lucifer had throne issues. And because of those throne issues, he was thrown out of heaven. But what you need to understand about the devil right now is what he could not achieve in heaven, he seeks to achieve on earth. The victory that he could not gain in heaven, 
He seeks to gain on earth. Enter the very first human beings who ever walked the planet, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve lived in an incredible part of the world at that time called the Garden of Eden. And they were told to eat, drink and be merry, except stay away from one particular tree and it's found in the middle of the garden. And they did that for many years. But then there was this one day, one fateful day, where Adam and Eve were walking in the garden, admiring all of God's creation, enjoying Him, enjoying all the fruits of the garden. And they found themselves up against this tree they were told not to eat from. And Lucifer, this fallen angel, appears to them in the form of a serpent. He appears to them in this tree. And he starts getting into a dialogue with them. And they start entertaining the dialogue. They start getting involved in the conversation. And basically, the tempter came and said, why didn't you have some of this fruit, this forbidden fruit? And it said that they saw the fruit was good. But then they said, no, 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 no. We were told in no uncertain terms not to eat from this particular tree. And then Lucifer, as quick as the light comes back, he says, ah, no, no, no. God doesn't want you to eat from the tree because your eyes will be opened. You'll see as you've never seen before. And you will be like God. See, Adam and Eve had throne issues. The thought of being like God was just too compelling. The thought of sitting on their own throne and being caught king and lord and master of their own life, no longer being governed or dictated to. And with the serpent in their ear and the promise of the throne, They took a bite of that apple and their eyes were opened and they realised just what a snake the devil was. See, the devil wants to get us into the realm of reason. The devil wants you to rely on your intellect your knowledge. He doesn't even care how much you know the Bible. As long as he can argue with you. As long as he can reason with you. As long as he can continue to distract you with endless conversation. He doesn't care. But this I know to be true. You cannot reason or intellectualize your way out of a demonic attack. Paul the man who wrote most of the New Testament said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. 
I started by saying, we don't want to go to the extreme and see devils and everything. But I want to tell you, there is a very real enemy and he seeks to kill, steal and destroy your life, your marriage, your family, everything that is precious to God, the devil wants to destroy. And you can't reason your way out of an attack. Adam should have just said exactly what God said and left. I want to just quickly... Turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 records an occasion where Paul, along with his friend Silas, went to a particular part of the world, Ephesus, to do what they have always done, and that is preach the Word of God. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, it says, As they were going to the place of prayer, We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and bought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, he realised he wasn't just dealing with a little girl anymore. There was a spirit at work in the girl I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. It's interesting. It says that this girl had a spirit of divination. And the word divination comes from the Greek word, puthon, which is where we get our English word, python. And if you study The eating habits and the killing methods of a python, they don't strike with their mouth. They don't bite you. A python seeks to wrap himself around you until you can no longer breathe. Breath in the Bible represents the life of God. Breath in the Bible represents the power and the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's the devil's strategy to wrap himself around you and strangle the life of God, the breath of God out of you. Do you know how many people I deal with said, I feel like I just can't breathe. Have you ever felt like you just can't breathe? And so we go to see the doctor and we get pills and we get prescribed. And that may be of some value and you may need to do that. But can I just suggest that there is an unseen enemy in this world that seeks to rob, kill, steal and destroy. And the way he does it is ever so subtly, ever so slowly. He does it over time. He does it in anonymity. He does it invisibly. And we end up arguing against this person and that person. We blame this job and that job. We take this pill and we take that pill. And the whole time the squeeze is getting more and more and more and more. And we don't feel any different. 
and we feel like giving up. There are some incredible signs to look out for when you're under spiritual attack. I don't have time to go into that today. But let me just say these three things that I'd gleaned from this text in Ephesians. Sorry, in Acts chapter 16. Sorry to freak some of you out. Is this freaking you out? Have I lost you? Shall I leave him there or shall I put him back? If I go too long, he might just strangle me and we're done. Three things that stand out to me. Acts chapter 16, the first one is this, the reaction of Satan. It said that Paul and Silas were on their way to what? To pray. When did the devil strike? When did the little girl with this demonic spirit come up? When they were on their way to pray. The devil hates you praying. The devil wants to stop you praying. In fact, it's one of the first areas he will stop and attack you. It's in the area of prayer. He wants to rob you of your prayer life. He wants to get all over you. He wants to get up in your face. We had a word earlier. Ooh. And he wants to stop you praying. If you don't feel like praying, there may be some reasons for that. There could be some natural reasons, like you're genuinely tired because you've been up all night. There could be some genuine reasons. But I want to tell you, more often than not, the time you feel not like praying is because there's an enemy who wants to stop you. He wants to choke your prayer life. I remember many, many years ago, hearing from a preacher, and we were told as a young man growing up that the Word of God was like breathing in and prayer was like breathing out. You need both the Word of God to go in and prayer is like breathing out. And the devil wants to stop us praying. Let me just put him back up here. He's becoming a distraction now. He's really distracting me now. It was also Paul and Silas' first time in Ephesus. It's another thing the devil wants to do. He wants to stop you enlarging. He wants to stop you going forward. He wants to stop you taking new ground. It's no wonder they were greeted by this woman with a spirit of divination to stop them praying and to stop them advancing. Secondly, the response of the saints. We see the reaction of Satan is distraction. He wants to distract you from praying, distract you from advancing. But the response of the saints. Paul and Silas were arrested. They were beaten, they were imprisoned, and they were chained. They found themselves in a prison at the darkest part of the day, midnight. And can I just say, when you find yourself in that place, we may never be physically beaten like Paul and Silas were. We may not find ourselves in a prison, particularly one as rough as Paul and Silas were. But we will all have our midnight. Midnight is coming to each and every one of us. And we've got to learn how to praise God in our midnight. We've got to learn how to praise God when things are not going well. We've got to learn how to praise God. We've got to learn to lift up our voice and praise Him and sing praises to God. Because what singing praises 
to God does, it loosens the grip of the enemy. You begin to breathe again. You begin to see again. You begin to have hope again. Where previously we would have said, I can't do it. I've had enough. I want to give up. When you start praising God. Because remember, the devil wants you on the throne. You don't need to praise God. Where's God been? If he loved you, you wouldn't be in jail right now. If he loved you, this wouldn't be happening to you right now. He wants you to be Lord and Master of your own life. And that's why next time we don't want to give financially. Next time we don't want to lift our hands. Next time we don't want to pray. Understand there's more at work than just what you want to do. I'm tired of people telling me I didn't get much out of the worship today. That's because we're not here to worship you. You weren't meant to get anything out of it. We're not here to worship you. Get off your throne and let Jesus take His rightful place in your life. It's not about you. Church is not about you. We're not here to worship you. We're here to worship the King of kings, the Lord of glory. And the devil wants to distract you and make it all about you. This praise that Paul and Silas engaged in. Let me just say, the devil couldn't stand that. He cannot stand our praise. He cannot stand our praise. He can't stand it when we pray and when we fast. He cannot stand the blood of Jesus. In Revelation 12 verse 11 it says, And they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives, even unto death. Do you remember in the Old Testament when the Israelites were about to pass out of Egypt into the promised land and there were those 10 plagues? The last plague involved the death of every firstborn male. But a word was given to Moses that he passed out throughout all the Israelite people to get the blood of a lamb and paint it on the doorposts of their homes. And when the destroying angel would see the blood, it would pass over and bring no harm. That's what the blood of God, uh, Jesus does in our life. When we plead the blood of Jesus, the devil can't stand it. And what is the result? So we have the reaction of Satan to stop us, to distract us. We have the response of the saints to praise, to pray, to fast, to plead the blood of Jesus. And what is the result of the Spirit? Well, we see that as Paul and Silas were in jail praising God, it was an invitation for God to come. It was an invitation for God to do what only He could do. It was an invitation for the supernatural to break in and a freedom to take place. And the shackles on their arms and legs came off. The doors opened. And not only, not only were Paul and Silas set free, but all the prisoners were set free. See, this struggle that we fight is not just for us. In actual fact, I said to our kids, as they were listening to mum and dad talk the other day, I said, seriously, kids, if, if, if we could live a selfish life and it was just about us, we would have a great life. Most of my problems aren't our problems. Most of my problems are the ones we embrace in other people's lives. And that's why we are here, to help 
set free those that are oppressed. In Luke chapter four, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news, to set the oppressed free. Jesus never made it about Himself and nor should we. We are here not just to be kept free, but that we might set other people free. That's our mandate. That is the Great Commission. That's why we are here. See, the demons always want you to self-destruct. In Mark chapter five, we read of a man who used to cut himself with stones. Had a legion of demons in him. And he used to cut himself. That's an attack of the enemy. He wants you to harm yourself. You might not necessarily cut yourself with stones. You might just say, I'm no good. Nobody loves me. And every time you do that, you're harming yourself. And that's what the devil wants. He wants you to think less of yourself. And yet Jesus says, you're the apple of all of creation, apple of God's eye, pinnacle of all creation. In Matthew 17, we read of a man who used to throw himself into the fire and into water. Fire to burn himself, water to drown himself. Always seeks to harm you. Matthew 27, we read of Judas, one of the 12, went away and hanged himself. He killed himself. When you get to the place where you want to give your own life, and we in Australia have one of the highest rates of suicide amongst teenagers in the Western world, that is not rational. To take your own life is not rational. There's a demonic influence behind people wanting to self-destruct like that. And we have our finest hour church to stand up in the gap and set people free. Can I just say this? Not all addictions and problems mean that you are demon-possessed. I do believe in watching what you eat. I do believe there's so many chemicals in foods today that they can actually hinder. And to prove that point, send your kid to a party. When he comes back or they come back, you've got a different kid on your hands. Chemicals play their part. Sleeping habits play their part. Upbringing plays their part. And we have to monitor all of that. But while we're monitoring all that, we need to be open to the fact that there is a very real enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. This I know. Whether you are possessed, oppressed, suppressed, depressed, hard-pressed, you can be set free. You can be set free. I don't know that I've ever had a demon inside of me. My wife may beg to differ. <laughs> but I do know that I've been drawing the attention of demonic influence. I do know that there are times where the enemy targets me or targets our church. And I know the answer is always Jesus and lifting him up in the midst of it. And when we sing praises to God, when we pray, when we fast, my wife, my wife, she won't say this, but she's up to day 27 or whatever it is of the fast that she's on. These are things we do because we realize we have a very real enemy out there pleading the blood of Jesus is one way the enemy lessens the grip he has on us. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.